0: Welcome, this is EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community Radio Show, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. Amid this COVID pandemic, we're all trying to cope with as best we can. Many businesses are having to do a major shift in terms of conducting business as usual. We're all learning new methods of communicating, whether that's FaceTiming, Skyping, Zooming, Blackboard collaborating, or any other live stream technology. My daughter's a senior at at, uh, Madison, and they're doing a lot of this Blackboard collaborating now that they're out of the classroom. And in fact, we're doing this interview via Zoom, so it may sound a little different than other interviews you've heard. But it can be challenging at times, right? I mean, the benefit, though, is that we now know how to do certain things that we may never have had to learn to do before. I know I am. I mean, I never even heard of Zoom prior to this year. And many of us are now prepared to work remotely if we need to, which that brings with it certain challenges, especially if if you have kids at home. So today we're going to talk about how the nonprofit sector, in particular, is being affected and how they can reach out for assistance and resources to help them navigate these uncertain times. My first guest today is Tony Shields, president of the Wisconsin Philanthropy Network. Welcome to the show today, Tony.
2: Thank you, Jill. I'm glad to be here.
1: Well, actually I should say welcome back since you've been a guest before on our program. So welcome I have back.
2: been, thank you very much. I appreciate that.
1: Now, when you were with us before, you talked about how the WPN can help nonprofits. Uh, our discussion is gonna be similar today, but with an emphasis on what we're currently experiencing. So um, first of all, for, for those that may be unfamiliar, tell us what under normal circumstances the WPN does for nonprofits.
2: Yeah, the uh, Wisconsin Philanthropy Network is a member organization of uh, philanthropic interests throughout the state of Wisconsin. We have a um, 130-member organization that serves more than 600 people in the field of philanthropy throughout the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Our membership is comprised of organizations such as community foundations, corporate foundations, Family foundations, uh, health-related foundations, and um, higher education foundations. And our goal as an organization is to, is to promote effective philanthropy. Um, philanthropy by nature, and by an organization, by, by by philanthropy by nature and by and by the work that it does, is really about problem solving and problem solving uh, through, in this instance, problem solving through um, providing resources to uh, source solutions to problems that are facing our communities. And so uh, WPN is really a convener. Um, we develop research for our members and we uh, create an atmosphere where our members are, are sharing information, sharing what has happened. To your direct question, Jill, this goes directly to benefiting nonprofits because if the philanthropic sector is working in an efficient and sharing manner, um, that will only help to enhance the grant making process Uh, We have opportunities where we are talking about how grantors can build better trust with grantees, how organizations can be highlighted to address specific issues. So one of the things that we do as a convener is uh, we will convene around a, a key issue facing our community. When we do that, we not only look at what's happening with our member organizations and what they're doing, but we're also looking at organizations such as nonprofits that are doing the work in the field. Uh, Looking at best in show type of organizations to bring them forward, to lift them up, to introduce them to members, uh, all with the eye of looking at solutions that are facing our community. So really what we do is we're a connector and a convener around key issues that are happening in various communities throughout the state of Wisconsin, opening up dialogue, opening up opportunities to network and opening up opportunities for, for our members to share.
1: Well, wow! We certainly need something like that right now, right? I mean, with what we're yeah looking at problem solving for what's going on now. So, tell us then, what are you what are you seeing and hearing out there from the nonprofits, given the current crisis?
2: Well, um, what's interesting is is that philanthropy uh, is showing a lot of energy around uh, what the what is happening in the, what is happening in the in the in our communities due to COVID? And um, obviously, our efforts are uh, lifted up by our ability to understand what is happening in the field and what is happening with grantees in the spaces that are being served by that are being served by communities and being sourced by um by philanthropy within the state so there's there are a lot of there are a number of different things that are happening at the same time i think the biggest thing that's happening within the state as it relates to philanthropies working with nonprofits is that philanthropy is very energized around getting an understanding around what's happening in the field what's happening in communities what's happening with their funded partners um, they're thinking about ways to um, reimagine. How they're working with nonprofit organizations, how they're sourcing nonprofit organizations. A lot of funding that is taking place um, is usually derived around specific programmatic um, outcomes. Uh, There's sometimes restrictions in terms of what a grantee can do with the funding that they get from a philanthropic source. And um, so philanthropy uh, to respond to COVID is working with their nonprofit funded partners and rethinking how they do their granting and how they are allocating the funds for doing that granting. So what you're seeing is is a number of of funding and granting sources um, changing their restrictions, uh, allowing uh, nonprofits to transition from programmatic um, resourcing to operations and uh, creating mechanisms for nonprofits to be able to uh, support their general operating which isn't always the case in the philanthropic sector so um those changes are happening and they're affecting nonprofits in profound ways Um, grantees are uh, grant grantors or grant makers are developing communication mechanisms to help nonprofit organizations understand that um that the funding community understands the the, the, the nuance of this particular situation. Uh, so they're communicating very specifically that, that funders are here to help nonprofits, that funders are here to assist them with their challenges. Um, and that creates a different kind of nuance and a different kind of trusting relationship between nonprofit organizations. Um, one of the things that nonprofits do typically, and I come from, in, my, in a prior experience, I've worked for, worked, worked for and with nonprofit, traditional nonprofit organizations, and when nonprofits are typically working with um, and communicating with their funders, uh, nonprofits typically and, and often will tell the good story, will tell the good news, will tell the impact that they're having in a given situation, and not necessarily feel comfortable with sharing the not favorable news with a funder. In, this, in the middle of this COVID outbreak, what funders are telling nonprofit organizations is you have to share and be transparent about the challenges that you're facing right now so that we can get a better understanding so that we can understand how we can help you better. And so that's been a real message change. I think grantors and grant makers have always felt that way but helping to bring their grantees along, helping to bring those nonprofit organizations along and building um, an environment of trust that people can be transparent and honest. has been a real game changer uh, by the way that COVID is, um, by the way that COVID is affected.
1: Okay, so so do you guys get together on like a round table type of scenario so that you can, you know, bounce ideas off of people and just really get, get a pulse on, you know, what a, a variety of different nonprofits are going through? Yeah,
2: that, that work is going on. So as a convener, uh, we are uh, bringing together, uh, groups of funders throughout the state of Wisconsin. We have a regular COVID-19 response call. Um, we also have, uh, we also have, um, many different roundtables that we do. So we are consistently sharing information. We are consistently looking at uh, what is happening in our community that's affecting our nonprofit partners. Um, We are developing mechanisms for sharing information. We've developed resource pages. We develop um, Google docs that help us move forward, uh, sharing of information. And so, yeah, there are ongoing discussions that are happening in the nonprofit sector. I mean, in the in the philanthropic sector, our next iteration of that work is bringing forward more nonprofit organizations who are in the front lines in the field to give us a reality check around what is really happening in those communities. So that's the next iteration of our work after that. And then we'll go into the aftermath. What has happened throughout the through the COVID-19 outbreak. What changes have happened? How are organizations doing business differently? And we're looking at those different mechanisms to be able to bring that information forward to not only our members, but to the community at large.
1: Okay, so um, how then does the current situation affect best practices? Uh, Stay tuned and Tony will talk more about that when we return, we'll be right back.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Tony Shields, president of the Wisconsin Philanthropy Network. So best practices have changed for many organizations, obviously, both for for for-profit and not-for-profit. So What's being done to assist with that for the nonprofit sector, Tony?
2: So one of the things that's happening is we, as a, as a membership organization for philanthropy serving organizations throughout the state, um, we also work with and uh, build off of relationships that we have as an organization with national philanthropic philanthropy serving organizations. So uh, WPN is a member of the National Forum of Philanthropy. It's an 80 member um, worldwide group of organizations that work with philanthropy um, within states and with particular segments. Um, So every state effectively has a WPN or a Wisconsin philanthropy type organization within their state. So we do a lot of best practice sharing with that group Uh, getting an understanding of what's happening nationally and then bringing that information back into Wisconsin uh, as a way of giving opportunities for us to share what's happening nationally from a best practice perspective Um, what we do find though is that many of the that the environment in Wisconsin is very fertile right now relative to COVID and COVID response Um, there's been a number of um, of uh, COVID response funds that have been developed. Uh, for example, the Greater Milwaukee Foundation um, is working in the in working in the region, developing a leading an effort with a COVID response fund, along with a number of other corporate and family foundations throughout throughout the area, throughout the region. Similar work is happening in Green Bay in the Fox Cities, in central Wisconsin, in Madison. Um, around partnering with either those COVID response funds or developing partnerships with United Ways throughout the state of Wisconsin to launch that work to get that work underway, a lot of it was derived around best practice information sharing among the member organizations, and then best practice information sharing around how they are working and uh, inviting nonprofit organizations to participate in that fund in that fund seeking process. So the 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 corporate uh, not the, not just the corporate but the foundational best practice conversations that are that are underway within within the philanthropic community are very very vibrant uh, in addition to that there's also opportunities to for learning around what is specifically happening among the nonprofit sector so for example We've shared um, uh, 211 data, Uh, so 211, the emergency line for services that come into communities. We've shared statewide intel with our members around, or statewide data with our members around, what are some of the basic needs that are out there? Um, So, uh, not surprising, things like food insecurity, uh, housing, uh, employment were the key things on the forefront of the work that um, that. People are calling in about to talk about their needs or trying to find solutions to their needs. Um, so not so philanthropy is looking at that type of information to get an understanding of what the actual needs are what the emergency response needs are from COVID, and what that potentially looks like. But we're also hearing from some of our members some of our health related members is that in addition to those basic needs. Um, we need to keep an eye on the mental health of people within our communities and so we take that kind of information and we develop mechanisms for our members to come together to learn about that so that we can share best practices. And then we always give our our member organizations an opportunity to share not only what their concerns are or the how-to, but to also celebrate the good best practices that they're doing in the field. And so there is a a vibrant, active, uh, ongoing conversation stream that is happening among our membership. And we've also always been a, um, what has been kind of a regional organization, even though we're a statewide organization. So if we have an event in Milwaukee, we may get people that might come in from Fox Cities for Madison for that meeting, or if we go to one of our other regions, Fox City, Madison, or Green Bay, it'll be pretty localized as a conversation goes. But because of the COVID outbreak and the stay-at-home orders that are taking place, we're now reimagining how we're doing our work. And so we've now gone from being an organization that gets excited if we have 15 to 20 people that are participating in a roundtable discussion to an organization virtually where we're having 50, 60 stakeholders in an engaged statewide around uh, around a particular issue or a particular learning opportunity. And that has been uh, what we think is going to be of great benefit to the nonprofit organizations throughout the state of Wisconsin. You know, we talk about the cares act and the information that's going around through that particular avenue. Um, We had a number of members that had developed great best practices around how they were communicating to their funded partners around aspects of CARES, around aspects of the Payroll Protection Program. And so when those organizations came up with those initial outreach to their members, they inspired others to do the same. And so now other members within, our, within the WPN membership are now doing similar actions to reach out to nonprofit organizations to better inform them, better let them know about opportunities that are happening out there. And all that is being developed within the best practice landscape around that work.
1: You're probably going to find that you'll be conducting Zoom calls or whatever uh, live streaming you're doing from this point forward. Because
2: if you're impacting a great, greater numbers, that's awesome. It, it has really been an, an informational and very transformational um, aspect of our work. Uh, we're surprised that you know, as a as a convener, we've been an organization that plans, conceptualizes a meeting, plans it develops it schedules it puts it forward many cases this is a two and three month process to be able to put this on uh, to bring in a speaker to coordinate travel and all those things we've been able to pull together rich content meetings and rich content conversations in as little as a week to 10 days um, just because we're working that more efficiently so um, while you never want to talk about the leveraging of of a of a pandemic um, as an opportunity, as an opportunity, we have seized the chance to reimagine how we do work, reimagine how we are um, engaging with uh, our members and stakeholders across all different platforms, and we've really changed the way that we're doing business, and so we will have to look at this on the other side when this is quote-unquote over and rethink about how we're doing our business, and I think we've, we've begun the process of developing some great best practices in order to do that.
1: Yeah, I think that's the benefit here. Like I said at the opening of the show is that, yes, it is transformational. Uh, Many people, including myself, have learned how to do things we never thought that we would have to do before, but uh, it's a good thing. You know, we're learning Mm -hmm. how to do things differently. I'm curious, Tony, you had talked about the fact that Nationwide, uh, you're getting data. Do you find that Wisconsin is different than the other states Uh, because we're, you know, the the stats are, are different across the United States, you know, some have a much larger impact than than Wisconsin. Are you finding that best practices change because of the the numbers of COVID cases changing or not really?
2: Uh, No, not really. Um, I think what the what the impact is from state to state and what we're finding is that Wisconsin is very consistent with the rest of the nation around how funders are communicating with nonprofit organizations. The sourcing of COVID response funds is very much aligned with um, is very much aligned with what um with what is happening nation, nationally um, the whole idea around looking at equity in the in the grant making process but not only looking at equity from an urban issue but also looking at an equi- urban urban kind of diversity issue but also looking at equity as it relates to rural populations and socioeconomic economic issues that are happening in rural spaces so what we're seeing from a national perspective is there's just a lot of really good content and around a lot of really good ways to do business and Wisconsin is right up there at the top in terms of creating a diverse menu of ways that we are addressing the COVID-19 pandemic that there is a lot of good work that's happening in Wisconsin and we are actually developing In the process of developing more best practices that can be shared nationwide. So I'm really excited about the work that's happening here. I'm I'm super inspired and appreciative of the philanthropic community and their work and their engagement as we've been working on this.
1: Well, we're proud of the uh, of the organizations like yourself that that step in and say, you know, we're here to to help Um, if there's a nonprofit listening. That wants to reach out to you and maybe be a part of these roundtables or just to get uh, some information that we'll be putting together. How would they do that. I mean, can they do that. They, so do they can. So in a them?
2: in a former world in, a, in, in the old world. Um, I did a lot of um, I did a lot of convenings and a lot of opportunities to understand what's happening in the field. And so I've done a number of, and continue to do a number of introductory meetings and getting to understand nonprofits and the work that they do and what their work to source is. And then what we do as an organization is we uh, look at key issues. We look at issues of interest that our members are looking at. We look at areas areas and issues of prominence, things that are happening immediately within our community of interest. And then we think about From a nonprofit perspective, who's doing that work, who's effective in that work, or who's doing something on a small scale that may need to take their work to scale, to a broader scale. And then we think about how we can engage those nonprofits in um, mutually beneficial conversations with our members to talk about the work. And so we're always on the lookout to learn about nonprofit organizations. We're always on the lookout to learn about what organizations are doing because as we are planning content for our members, we're thinking about how to bridge those relationships. We also have a number of programs that we invite nonprofit organizations to. We have an annual statewide conference that we work on um, and other avenues to be able to bring nonprofits forward and give them an opportunity to interact with our members. So what I would suggest to anyone is that you visit our website. You can find our contact information on our website at at wiphilanthropy.org. WI is in Wisconsin, philanthropy.org. Check us out. You can look at our information on there. We have contact information there, and you can feel free to reach out to us. Um, and maybe we can schedule a talk or a conversation as we go forward on that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to be able to do that.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing uh, all, all that content today. Good information. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you directly, do they just do that again on your website?
2: Yeah, or- they can do that on our website, or they can, they can, they can uh, send me an email, same at wifilanthropy.org. So oh, okay. feel, all free right. to, feel free to reach out to me.
1: All right, super. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tony. Thank you. Thank you you so
2: much for the opportunity.
1: Thank you guys. You are welcome. What we want our audience to know is that there are people who are available to help. Tony and and our next guest coming up and many others. Um, For the nonprofit community, things may look a little different than traditional for-profit organizations. So we wanna be sure to have guests on today that can speak to those issues. Coming up next, we're gonna hear how a local CPA firm is helping nonprofits understand how the CARES Act can help them. More about that when we return, we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. Understanding the intricacies of the CARES Act can be quite difficult. You may need to call on some people that deal with it every day and understand it much better than you. So our next guest today is Diana Lutman, partner with the Ritz-Holman CPA firm. Thanks for being with us today,
3: Diana. Thank you, Jill, I'm very excited to be here.
1: So, Diana, a couple things here about you. You are a partner at Ritz-Holman CPAs, Mm -hmm. uh, working with nonprofits specifically for the past 20 years. Uh, Ritz-Holman serves nonprofits in the greater Milwaukee area, and you focus on audit and uh, consultation with nonprofits. Mm Ritz-Holman serves nonprofits, businesses, individuals, and trusts and estates, but you in particular are dealing with the, uh, the nonprofit sector. So, share a little bit about how Ritz-Holman is serving the community.
3: Yes, thank you Jill. Um, So we are really focusing a lot of our time right now in making sure that the nonprofits we work with are really aware of some of the resources that are out there. Uh, This CARES Act and our whole environment has really changed at a pace I've never seen before. Um, And everything has become very time sensitive. So some of the things in this act have turned around in, in an amazing way. Um for instance, the CARES Act was passed into law on March twenty seventh. And by April sixteenth, that's not quite three weeks later, but short of two days, the funding had run out in that first allotment. No so,
1: surprise there though,
3: yeah. right? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's I mean constantly changing, you know, on a dime, but yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we've we've been watching it hour by hour. Um, in fact, today I have been watching the news, um, the House, so the Senate has passed a bill to increase some of the allocation of funding uh, for the stimulus package, and some of that is for the CARES Act. So we're waiting now for the next passing. Um, so the Senate, I said that wrong. the Senate has passed and the House is working on it today. And then we believe the president will sign the bill. So we don't know for sure yet, but we expect more funding to be available. And that would mean that people would need to start applying for those loans again. So I'm looking forward to talking about that loan program a little bit. Um, So at Ritz-Holman, we're working very closely with the nonprofits we work with and also the businesses that we work with Um, We're making sure that we know what's happening. Some organizations, we're actually doing the loan, pulling the information together for them and helping them get their loan completed and in. Um, Sometimes we're just talking with nonprofits to learn if this program is right for them or not. Not everybody is taking part of it. So we're really in the details for some and then higher level consulting for other organizations. You know, we're, we're passionate about working with nonprofits and keeping them healthy. I think it's so important for nonprofits to look at this funding and consider if it's right for them. Uh, this funding is, it's a short-term funding. Uh, there's just, you know, it pays for certain costs on the short-term, but I think the economic impact is going to be much longer. So even if you're doing okay, you know, this very immediate moment, you may need this down the road. But so so you're saying that this PPP or
1: the Paycheck Protection Program is just part of the stimulus package, the CARES right. Act. So, what is the PPP program in particular? You know, let's say there's a nonprofit that that for whatever reason isn't even aware that it exists or 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 how it could help them.
3: Okay. Yeah. So, you know, looking at this CARES Act and what's happening here, uh, what this whole PPP program and CARES Act is about, is it's about keeping people employed. Uh, We've heard that 22 to 26 million people are unemployed this week, Uh, a great number of people. So this program helps employers keep people on their payroll, it keeps the economy going, and it also helps those people to know they have a job to come back to. Uh, The fear factor when you're unemployed, uh, it's just so much better if people are able to stay at their same company and you know, then that company also doesn't have to worry about, will they get to start the job once they're back in business again? I talked to a number of nonprofits that are really worried, well, if we lay people off, what will we do when we need them again? And they don't want to lay off people. So this is an opportunity to keep people on payroll. Um, If you can imagine the revenue streams for nonprofits are all over the place. Um, You know, in in looking at how quickly all this happened, some places really shut their doors and walked away. Uh, Imagine that church. You know, I think of the churches that have people sitting in their pews sometimes collecting money in a basket. Um, Well, many churches are doing electronic giving. Some probably are not. And you don't have people there to ask them face to face. So certainly churches are, you know, impacted by the donor funding coming in. Um, same thing for if you're operating a daycare or other face-to-face services with clients, like that running that revenue stream is quickly impacted. And so this is a way to sort of replace those funds so that you can keep people on your payroll. I mean, yeah, some of the nonprofits I'm talking to are still doing a lot of services, they've just had to change how they're doing it. Uh, before they're meeting face to face, they had sort of interruption and they're revamping and now they're doing Zoom calls and they're doing um, things over over technology like the rest of us.
1: Yeah, the um, uh,
3: business as usual is changing for most everybody, I think. Right, it is, I've, I've been impressed with how much they've been able to do. Um, when I've talked to people, I've thought you know, maybe things had stopped and they really haven't. So maybe just a small interruption, but I'm glad to hear what Tony was saying about uh, funders really looking at funding the total operations because there is going to be a change for many nonprofits if, if they can't change exactly how their programs were run before. Okay, so the one thing I mentioned, churches, I just think it's important to note that churches are eligible for this CARES Act funding um, sometimes they don't have that 501c3 certificate, and then they're not eligible to apply. They don't have to have this for this program, so they are eligible to get, to get funding. Yeah. Okay. So next, you know, let's just talk about what what I think are the most relevant parts to the Paycheck Protection Program. Okay. Um, so the first allocation of funding was thir- 349 billion dollars, right, for this program out the door already potentially another 310 coming in. What this program is, is it allows organizations, including nonprofits, uh, to get a loan, and then hopefully down the road, that loan will be forgiven, and they would just keep those funds and use them as needed. Um, the way that you get the loan forgiven is you keep people on payroll. So the point of the funding is to keep people on payroll. And You know, you look at the different businesses out there, this has been in the news a lot, but this program is really set up to help small businesses with 500 or fewer employees. Uh, We've seen a couple things pop up about places that have more than 500 because it is based on the physical location. Uh, And then, you know, the other requirement to be eligible for this program is that you have an uncertainty in this current economic condition that we are under. I think everybody uh, so,
1: does, don't they?
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. Like, I think everybody has uncertainty right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know, it doesn't talk about the exact timeline of that uncertainty or what it is that causes it. It doesn't make you look at revenue streams, but you have to have some need for it to support ongoing operations. So that once you've met those one of those eligibility, both of those eligibility requirements then you look at how much of a loan can you get. Uh, So the loan is based on your employee costs and you would get two and a half months worth of employee costs that would include your wages you pay to people, your health insurance, your retirement, uh, your state unemployment. So two and a half months worth of those costs will give you the loan. Uh, Then you would go through the loan application, the process, you would get your money. The next requirement is you need to spend that money. I need to spend it to keep people employed as the primary purpose. So, 75% of that loan has to be used on payroll-type costs. And then, you know, if you if you didn't burn it all up with that, you can pay your rent and mortgage and interest and in utilities. Okay, but so,
1: are is it uh, true that not every nonprofit can take advantage, though, of this paycheck protection program and? If so, you know, what do you do then? You know, what are the options? Uh, actually, we're going to deal with that question in the second segment. So stick around. And when we return, Diana will educate us on what the alternatives are. We'll be right back.
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Julie Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN.
1: Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. And I'm talking today with Diana Luttman, partner from Ritz-Holman CPAs. So, okay, Diana, some people decide, let's say, that the PPP is not right for them. Uh, What are the other options?
3: Yes, there are uh, multiple other relief portions to the CARES Act that an employer might consider, a nonprofit might consider to do. Uh, One of them is the employee retention credit. Uh, If you choose to get this credit, you cannot also participate in the Paycheck Protection Program. So this is an either or. I've ran the numbers for one organization and the money that they would receive was only about $15,000 less under the employee retention credit program Rather than the paycheck protection program. So the funding is pretty significant for many organizations if they use this, Uh, it's not getting nearly as much hype, but I think it's definitely a good alternative. So first of all, there's a couple different eligibility requirements. Um, First, an employer to be eligible for this program, you can have you can have a partial or full suspension of your operations that the government has ordered. So if that order is out there, you automatically are eligible to take part in this program. And the other way that you can be eligible is if you were to measure your revenue in a quarter this year in 2020 and compare it to a quarter in last year, 2019, if you had a 50% drop in revenue, you also become eligible for this program. Now, I think many organizations are gonna meet both of these tests, but one or the other will work for you. So, what do you get in this program? Um, this is this program pays for 50% of your payroll type costs for each employee um, that is has qualified wages, and up to $5,000 per quarter for each employee. So, that's a significant amount of money, right? So, you're of course, if someone you know makes less money. You would get less than five thousand. So, if an employee made ten thousand dollars in a quarter, you would get a five thousand dollar credit, and and that includes both the employee wages and also their health costs. So, that's you know. Then you ask, well, what are the qualified wages? And there are really two different pools of employers. Those are some employers have one hundred or more people, and some have fewer. If you are an employer that has less than hundred people you can count all of your employees and use their qualified wages, up up to $10,000 of wages, and then you'd get half of that back. Um, If you have 100 or more employees, then you only would count employees who are not working for you anymore, but they're still on payroll. So this is really similar to the Paycheck Protection Program and that the goal is ultimately to keep people on payroll. Uh, And then you, you would get refunded for that quarter and the next quarter at least. And if you continue to be eligible, you will you can get credits all the way through the end of 2020. So you have to apply or you have to go through the process
1: every, every
3: quarter or? Well, what you do is you have to first become eligible in a quarter if you have that reduction in, in what you're doing by one of those top two tests. And then you're automatically going to get it the next quarter. But if the next quarter, you still are not back to business like normal, then you're eligible that quarter and the next subsequent to that. Okay. okay. So, so you don't so have to go
1: through a process again, you just automatically qualify in either of those situations.
3: Yeah. And okay. in this current environment, there's so many places partially suspended because they're staying at home and working mm-hmm. that you're probably going to meet that first test and you're just going to continue to be eligible each quarter. Um, and then when we're all back to business, you still might be eligible for a while. Okay. okay. So how you get the credit, it's pretty simple, really. Um, it's done through your payroll taxes. And first you you, wouldn't have, you would not have to pay all of your payroll tax deposits, and then you would do a quarterly reconciliation of your taxes. So you would get all of that, those wages back and amounts refunded above any other payroll tax liabilities that you have. So it's an immediate deferral, really. um, And then it's reconciled each quarter. So it puts cash in the bank for you right away. Um, There's another option for organizations if they don't want to do this. Um, This is for all organizations, even those that are doing the PPP. And that is that right now you can defer the employer portion of payroll taxes and not have to pay it back until the end of 2021 and the end of 2022. You'd have to pay 50% back by the end of each year. That would be a way to get an interest-free loan for that amount of employer social security tax. Some organizations are saying that the, the amount that that comes to might not be worth it, but it's easy to do. So you know, something to consider if you need a little extra cash flow now. There are also things that we're looking at uh, for individuals, but that they relate to nonprofits. So everyone should know out there that there is an above the line deduction for individuals that give to charities. They can deduct $300 for each person. So $300 for an individual and $600 for a couple. You don't need to itemize to take that above the line deduction. Now it's just a way for nonprofits to let people know there's another incentive this year to give. I, you know, I think those donations are gonna be especially important when they're without restrictions so that they can just pay their standard overhead costs even. Um, also, uh, large donors can uh, receive, they can reduce their taxable income to zero. There used to be a cap of 60% on donations that you could only reduce your AGI by 60% and now you can reduce it by 100%. So that's a pretty big tax incentive for many donors to take advantage of. So I'm sure they're talking to their accountants about that, how they can take advantage of that. And one of the other things that we see uh, right now is the relief of deadlines for all different types of taxpayers. We are seeing that, you know, any payments that would be required to be made prior to July 15th are deferred until July 15th. Those are payments for 2019 taxes and also um, estimates for 2020. So this impacts all the private foundations and if a nonprofit has unrelated business income tax that they would otherwise owe, as you know, as well as individuals and businesses are getting this relief right now. So lots of things happening here To help cash flow, and it's so important that the
1: nonprofits are aware of all these things. And luckily, we have experts like yourself, the CPAs, that can kind of dial it down and say, "Okay, there, you know, there's lots to know, but there's this option, there's that option, and let's figure out what is best for you." So, um, I appreciate your expertise and sharing that with us. So if someone, I, I mentioned before that we're going to be doing a resource page that if anybody's interested in getting uh, information from any of the uh, the guests that we speak to or resources that they themselves have available, um, we're going to have that. Uh, all you have to do is call our office for that. And we can send it to you. But um, tell us then um, like what your call to action is. I mean, what do you you work with a lot of different nonprofits. You know, what are you seeing? What do you want to make sure that if there's a nonprofit
3: listening, what do you want to make sure that they know? Yeah, I think it's important for the nonprofits out there to know that they're not alone in this. Uh, there's a lot of information flying around about you know things that are available, but reach out to you know reach out to your CPA if you have one. Reach out to me. Um, you know you're not alone in this environment and we're there to help you you know I'm talking to some of my clients they have said not only can they really use our financial resources now but they want to hear from the community if there's needs out there that you know they really need met like maybe that nonprofit can help so i just think it's important it's a, it's important for nonprofits to know we're also there for them to help get through this and not to ignore some of these resources that are, that are there, I think cash flow-wise, they're getting hit pretty hard, and there's just some uncertainty about donors in the future. Now I say that very generally because I think a lot of donors are really stepping up and doing such a wonderful job, and um, of seeing how can I help my nonprofit. So, you know, thank you to all those donors, but just nonprofit. We're there for them too, and the government has some relief here for them.
1: Okay, and and again, we appreciate you sharing those, that information specifically about the PPP and then some of the options if some people decide that the PPP isn't right for them. And so, yeah, we covered a lot of things today um, with Tony and with Diana, and we just want uh, people to know, like Diana said, that there are experts out there that are uh, available to help you. So. Diana, share with us then how someone would get a hold of you if they need oh, sure. your assistance.
3: Okay, our uh, website is ritzholman.com. That's R I T Z H O L M A N.com. Um, you can email me through there, but my email is diana at ritzholman. So feel free to reach out, out to us there. Uh, we do have some information posted on the resources page of that website, but I'd be happy to, you know, email out anything that you might want as well. And, you know, there's lots of information. We've really been working very closely with all this stuff. So, uh, we often just can talk freely about questions you might have because a lot of other people have already had those questions. Sure,
1: sure, right. Well, go to the source, right? You, you know yeah. your stuff, so go to somebody that knows the stuff and, and get what you need. So. Well, thank you, Diane. I appreciate you being here today and, and sharing, as I said, sharing your expertise and letting nonprofits know that there are people out there to help them. Uh, so thank you.
3: Thank you for being thank here. You. It's a pleasure uh, to be here.
1: We're, we're happy that you were available. Thank you. Um, I want to also thank Tony Shields, president of Wisconsin Philanthropy Network. Uh, thank you both for being our guests on such short notice and to share how you're helping and assisting nonprofits to navigate these tough waters that we find ourselves in today. So stay safe and stay well. Uh, if you'd like further information about what we talked about today or you'd like to be considered as a guest on our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about some great people and nonprofits that are doing great things in our community. You can either tune in on the a.m. dial, a.m. 1130, or you can go to News Talk 1130 on your computer. You can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app, or you can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. You can also listen now on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. I hope you found the information we shared today helpful. Uh, Hopefully it got you thinking uh, about uh, ways that you may need help and who you might be able to reach out to. So uh, have a wonderful day. Stay safe and stay well. Thank you.